0: Hello and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. My guest this time is writer and filmmaker Kate Muir. She's the producer of the two Channel 4 documentaries that she's made with Davina McCall, Sex, Myths and the Menopause and Sex, Mind and the Menopause. And she's also an activist for the Menopause Charity, dedicated to raising awareness and understanding of the menopause. She's also the author of Everything You Need to Know About the Menopause, But We're Too Afraid to Ask, which is about to be published in paperback. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thank you for having me on. So much to, to we, we could tackle from from the book where maybe we could start off with something very topical which is the sort of the recent research into HRT and and Alzheimer's uh, which is something that you you know you talk a lot about in the book and you do share a, a very personal story about mm. your own mother and and as someone my mother's also in sort of late stages oh, of true. Alzheimer's and so unlike like many other you know women my age, I'm sure. You know, we're following this this debate, this kind of unraveling of the the kind of the research very, very closely. So, what's uh, what's your viewpoint?
1: I think it's incredibly good news, and it's good news for you and me who are daughters of Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. because I mean, I, I, um, you know, my mum died in 2015 of Alzheimer's, and it was a really long, horrible haul. And I had no idea that there was that, that there were any answers, because there seemed to be no answers mm. at that point. And we tried various drugs and they didn't work. And then when I was researching the book, and I got deeper and deeper into what estrogen can do in the brain and testosterone can do in the brain, and I grew increasingly astonished. And I then I started finding these small studies of mice and women you know mice who'd had their ovaries removed and got really really muddled in mazes (laughs) and then they gave them their (laughs) back and the mice found their way to the flag and the cheese and you think about that in that sort of simplistic way and we think, oh gosh, yes, no, I really need to find my way to the flag and the cheese. I do not want to live the life my mother lived in, in the last 10 years. Mm. Um, you know, a really smart woman struggling in, 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 in a kind of place of hell for her and the people around her. And so um, the, 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 the stuff is fantastic. And what came out last week from East Anglia Uh, was look obviously all these are observational studies over a number of years and nobody's doing kind of randomized controlled trials on this but they looked at uh, HRT now I read the paper and of course it doesn't say which kinds of HRT they're specific it does it's all kinds of HRT and actually some HRTs perform much better in the brain Mm. than others and we know now that the body identical HRT which is a copy of your own hormone is as any 12 year old would tell you, better than a synthetic one, which is not a copy of your own hormone. So it was all HRT in that study, some of which is not as great as others. But what it showed was it kept women's brains working, it made them perform better in cognitive tests over time. Now that the the study wasn't long enough to show what was going Mm. on with Alzheimer's, But uh, the one done by Dr. Roberta Brinton, who we had on in our second menopause documentary with Davina McCall. And she has been studying women's brains for 30 years in Arizona. And is a genius, actually, and really supported by Alzheimer's research money in America. And she was the one who went through 400,000 women's records in Kentucky and discovered that women who were on body identical HRT were around 70% less likely to get Alzheimer's. So, you know, and, and there are all these other small studies with mice, but for me, this was just an, an, another bit of icing on the cake, that it's quite simple. Look after your brain, and there's a good chance that you will lower your chance of Alzheimer's. And if you carry the gene like I do, it is absolute no-brainer for me to get HRT, and, I, I, you know, a quarter of a woman, women have that, that gene and, you know, two thirds of Alzheimer's patients are women. And, you know, we're sitting around, flapping around, talking about menopause and are we going to eat chia seeds? We really need to think about our brains in the future and, and really think seriously about medicine and
0: science here. Actually, one of the the things that surprised me that you talk about and you know maybe it's it's not that surprising but the fact is that the hormones they're not patentable so there's no mm. kind of big pharma or less big pharma interest in terms of looking into what what the benefits of mm. uh, hrt might be they're not suddenly going to get rich off the back of discovering some new, <laughs> new better form of, of estrogen.
1: I think that's an incredibly good point and we need to look at the politics of capitalism around women's health and when you look at the brand new osteoporosis drug which has come out which costs approximately 9000 pounds a year per woman and wow. it's recommended by the osteoporosis society as a new you know a new thing and then you think well taking hrt makes your bones grow back and improves your bone density and, you know, it can improve it within 3% in two years from where you were. And, you know, women who are on HRT are far less likely to get a hip replacement, etc. You think, hmm, so they're making 9000 a year on that drug in ph- in the pharmaceutical industry. And they're going to make, what, £4 a month selling Estragel. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what the NHS pay for. it. it you know, it, it, it must be, it's an extraordinary difference in money. And who is financing the Royal Osteoporosis Society? Where does their money come from? Quite a lot of their money comes from big pharma because they're interested in promoting new research. Fair enough. But got the duty to be looking at what uh, hormone replacement can do very cheaply. And they're not spending enough time on that because there's no money for that kind of research because it doesn't Mm. make
0: money. Yeah, I mean, you talk a a little later in the book about um, costs to just the NHS in the UK of these chronic diseases of ageing. So osteoporosis, you've already mentioned, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, dementia. And I think, you know, it's on page 275 of the hardback edition. (laughs) You kind of you tot up these costs comes to one hundred and forty eight billion if you include um, sort of mental mm. ill health, which is a huge, huge chunk. But even then, surely you could see that, you know, that kind of cost-benefit analysis of, mm. I think, even the, the sort of the gold standard HRT you were talking about costs of sort of £120, £130 mm. pounds a year.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cheap as chips. And in a way, I think it's the greatest thing that's happened to women in medicine even more so in a way than the pill, because the pill, I'm making a documentary on the pill right now. The pill has its own problems and dangers Mm -hmm. and complexities, which we know about. But HRT, because it is these better hormones, the newer HRT, it's really, uh, the the story is perhaps no longer about menopause for me, but for aging and aging Mm. well. I think, you know, I I was updating the paperback of the book and putting in more stuff. And I was thinking, this is the argument I made with myself with the science to convince myself of why hrt works how we should deal with menopause all the mental health stuff all the sex stuff all that Uh, but actually i would write a different book now and i indeed i'm writing another book um which is about longer life and aging and longevity there's estrogen receptors all over your body and testosterone receptors everywhere And the fact that we can get this back and we can live like men do with their hormones functioning until their 80s, whereas before we couldn't, we had these long lives, but we had these long, mildly unwell lives for a very, (laughs) very long period of time. And I've been thinking about it because I've been looking after my my neighbor for three years who's now 93 and taking her shopping every week and she's still living at home. And she just has a really, really bent spine and a zimmer frame and recently broke her hip. And you're so aware as you're looking at a Stanister lift and all these things. And she was a doctor and she's read my book and she kind of realises that she could have could have been different she was fine with estrogen and she understands it. And she's absolutely firing on all cylinders. And, it, you know, it makes me want to cry, you know, because there, there's a life that is really, really hard to be living right now. And uh, we don't need women to live those lives anymore. We can throw the Zimmer frames largely in a pile. But politics and economics are standing in our way, and general sluggishness. In
0: the <laughs> but I mean, there's. Let, let's touch on the you know the women's health initiative study that that put, obviously sort of halved over almost overnight the, yeah. the number of people taking HRT. Do you, I mean, I think the, you know, the documentaries that, that you've done with Channel 4 have gone sort of some way to mm. to redress that and to kind of reassure people. But, you know, we're still struggling with the the kind of expertise in GP surgeries where there's still, we hear time and time and time again about people being turned away, told horror stories of HRT or told they're too young or this that or the other reason for them not to be taking it essentially
1: yeah I mean the the, the WHI has been completely discredited in mm. in its methodology I mean some of it is quite useful there are things we can pull out of there which is if you treat women with a synthetic estrogen and a synthetic progestin. For a long time, it will raise their risk of breast cancer by a tiny amount. Now, we've learned that, but that's not what we're giving women now. So that's like saying, you know, we were giving them Smarties and now we're giving fruit pastels. It's a completely (laughs) drug. But yet we are putting, you know, the NHS website is basing its science on that study. Which you know, financed by big pharma, financed by what you know Wyeth and the the American government, and nobody's bothered to finance a new study into the body identical uh, versions. And we know in these wider observational studies that it's really good stuff. No one has shown that body identical estrogen increases your rate of breast cancer. And so it is extraordinary that we are still stuck in the science of the, it's really from the last Mm. century, well it's from 2002 isn't it, it's 20 years old and it's wrong and you know but it's so pervasive people people like the word body identical hrt is not on the nhs website we talk about it all the time they don't update their website they don't explain it to women and really it's a it's it's a scandal it's it's a scandal of mistreatment and it's not about money because it's not expensive to change mm-hmm. from one to the other it really isn't And, you know, what was the the particular, you know, if we're going to nail things down and women now know about their estrogen, their progesterone, their testosterone, their three hormones, what we need to nail down in that study, the WHI study, is the progesterone was terrible. It was medroxyprogesterone acetate, which just performs so badly in every Mm. study that there's been.
0: It's not one you want and it's still being sold and it's still part of Mm. And many women have a really bad reaction to, to that as well, don't they? I mean,
1: it, everything about this is a scandal. And 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 what the other thing, and um, you know, I've been thinking
0: about is the menopause industry. Well, you coin a fantastic term in the book, the menopause industrial complex, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which the I just menopause love.
1: Industrial complex. I mean, it's in everybody's interest who is selling us menopause potions, menopause creams, lovely little lubes for our vaginas. It is in their interest in. Interest for us not to get HRT, so that it is in their interest to keep us having these problems that ninety percent of us, if not more, do not need to have, mm-hmm. and that is really, really interesting. That we are again, you know, putting on makeup to cover what's happening, you know, inside, and really, we need
0: to <laughs> it's not going to help us please. with our Alzheimer's or our or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or our um, cardiovascular and disease. I, um,
1: so radical on this and i feel so strongly about it i think it it really matters and i think we're having the wool pulled over our eyes by women who are not informed of the science as well but by people who realize they're going to make a huge amount of money of some fentech app talking about the menopause and talking about sleeping and talking about yoga and selling you this and selling you vitamin compounds which you can really they're not going to make much difference you know the only things worth having basically are kind of vitamin d and magnesium and omega-3 mm-hmm. and if you put those together in a little packet that would be just fine you really don't need to spend 30 pounds a
0: month on your or on more. Your- more in many cases so let's think then about the the actual rates of uptake of of hrt are sort of in the sort of mid-teens i certainly less than 20 percent at the moment Is here's the right? thing
1: White women, 15% mm. HRT. Black women, 8%. It's a huge inequality. 15%. 15% for white yeah. women, 14% generally, 8% mm. for black women. And that is a real shame because black women get much worse in American African-American studies in America. Mm. They haven't obviously bothered to study it in England, but they get much worse hot flushes for a longer time. So really, and they get, they've got much more chance of getting Alzheimer's and so it's really, really important to get that message to that community about getting onto HRT. And, you know, there are wonderful people like Karen Arthur, who you've had on your podcast, mm-hmm. you know, who did Menopause Pearls Black, who's realised what's going on with all that and is really out there talking about it. But there is a real kind of incredible class, economic, ethnicity divide on the people getting HRT and the people not. And after the Divina, the two Divina programs, and I'm absolutely not saying it was just as we were just part of a huge tsunami that kind of exploded. <laughs> a big
0: part there, and, you know, and
1: all these people like Make Menopause Matter and the Latty Lounge and all these people like Caroline Harris, it was just all of us together really pushed it. But since we did the programs, the use of, of HRT has gone up by half a million women in Britain. And, if you know, half a million women are not getting Alzheimer's, you know, that's that's
0: been really worthwhile (laughs) you also when you're talking about those sort of health disparities as well Mm. you you talk in the book about so we've already talked about you know the kind of how much the gold standard costs to the NHS but actually that still costs three times more than the inverted commas sort of old older style HRT which which is still you know very commonly prescribed Mm. so again is that is that down to cost cutting is it down down to ignorance
1: uh it is cost cutting it's cheaper it's down to ignorance I mean some of the body identical HRT is harder to balance up and get it going a lot of women have a problem with progestins or Mm. progesterone and actually the 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 really good safest synthetic progestin which is called didrogesterone is not available separately to take with transdermal gel at the moment and if it was I think more women could take that because that's sort of quite good for protecting Um, your is only
0: in the combined yeah so
1: it's 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 in it's it's in a combined pill I think uh but there are things like Bijuve coming out from theramex which is Not available in lots of bits of the country, but it's entirely a a body identical pill rather than a than a a gel. But it seems to work really well. So there's better stuff out there, but you've got to fight for it. You've got to ask questions. Well,
0: also you've got to kind of under you know if your understanding of uh, you know is limited to what your GP is telling you, you're taking older style HRT and it's not agreeing with you, then you wouldn't necessarily know that there are other options out there. If you're if you're not seeing a sort of a menopause specialist who's what up to date laughed
1: about this is the idea that we stick on one patch and it works for all of us which is so wrong because you i don't know anyone who has the same set of hormones as me we've all got this kind of pms and this kind of pain mm. and this kind of you know madness mid-cycle and this you know and when you think about women's hormones they're just chaos And the idea that we can treat chaos with one single pill or one single patch. And we all know, those of us who are on HRT, I know people who are on four pumps a day. I'm on two and a half pumps a day. But sometimes I go to three if I feel a hot flush coming through. I I know exactly where I am. But you're aware that your hormones are doing stuff. They're going up and down. Doctors should be taught how to kind of make HRT work for women. It's not much to ask. would make such a difference to the population it's not an expensive thing but it might be a second consultation and it really really would help them and you know I feel we should go in and demand more and ask more because it makes such a difference to our lives in the long run and it makes a difference to our families and our divorces and our lovers and our you know our pleasure in life really why should we have a shit life why why should we have stiff
0: joints don't want them you talk about you know a, a little bit about your own experience in the book and about breakdown of your mm. your long term relationship do yeah. you ever have those sort of what if moments of you know <laughs> if hrt had been on the table My
1: life would be different. I love my life the way it is now. And I don't think I'd have gone out there and fought this revolution if I hadn't kind of been kicked in the face in life and had an incredible struggle and a kind of really difficult time where I left home and my children, there was a big divorce and I lost my job and I was just in utter chaos. But I think that chaos really, really teaches you what it's like for other people mm-hmm. to live in chaos that you don't understand as a kind of middle-class person who's had a nice education and a steady job for a while, you know, it's just... <laughs> as and so I a catalyst for you. Really important. But, you know, now I've got a new partner. I'm making books and documentaries. I didn't know I could make documentaries. I also have, in, and I think I'm really lucky, I have a, a cause. I have a thing I am fighting for and mm-hmm. I get up every day and because probably I'm on HLT, my hormones are not all dippy. They're like, I'm no longer a clapped-out banger. I'm a Tesla. I'm going in there. At the three <laughs> of the day. Love it. I'm no <laughs> My hormones are not going to fail me in the morning. I'm not going to feel bad. I'm going to feel energized and strong, and possibly angry. But you know, all of those are good things <laughs> in the the work we're all trying to do in this space. I think.
0: Yeah. Was it was it a big uphill struggle to get Channel Four to commission the the first documentary? Yes.
1: <laughs> the documentary <laughs> was turned down twice because menopause was boring and for old women by various channels and commissioners. And eventually uh, I was at a Time's Up meeting actually as a film critic and I met Dorothy Byrne, who is at that point was head of Channel 4 Current Affairs and I said to her, you're at Time's Up meeting, Dorothy, we've got to do this. This is why. <laughs> Come um, on. And, and she said, yeah, no, we've got to do this. And she was about to retire, actually, and it was the last program, the last program she commissioned. And she'd been having a terrible time. And she's, she's said this publicly. <laughs> a parting um, shot.
0: A <laughs> 14, <laughs> age 60,
1: uh, or 60 something, actually. And it's gone on to be the head of of, of, um, a college as well now. Um, So she really has done, she did did a great thing commissioning that programme, and I I don't know who else would have. And of course, when the programmes went out, like the first night, it was like a million viewers. And then by the Friday after, it was two million. And you realised everybody had told everybody to watch it on catch up.
0: And you know, were you you surprised? Were you surprised by the reaction, the strength of the kind of. But
1: Davina was fantastic because Davina's own story and her looking young and not like what you imagined a menopausal woman was and her being utterly honest about things like a dry vagina on television Mm -hmm. and the mental health things. I mean, her braveness and her honesty because she worried about it in her career Mm -hmm. if that was a good idea
0: because... Yeah, she's talked about it being, you know, potential career ending.
1: (laughs) No, she she hadn't particularly studied the science or anything until she got on and she was just presenting the programme. And then it began to dawn on her what a massive kind of can of worms we'd opened. (laughs) And then kaboom, you know, she's really taken it off and run with the campaign herself. And and done that book, which has reached a whole audience, you know, that a book like mine wouldn't reach. And and I think that's really, really good.
0: And you've talked about the uptick of people going on to HRT as a probably direct result of those two documentaries. But it seems like that potentially has kind of been a sort of a a factor in the sort of something like the HRT shortages. I know we've had them before, but it's but at least it's starting to um, make that a lot more public and sort of visible.
1: Well, interestingly, well. the shortages <laughs> are in the mostly in the body identical HRTs, the good ones, the small uh, patch, uh, which is Estradot, and then we all had that incredible struggle to get Estra Gel for a while in Lazzetto, and I certainly did, and ended up using some of the props from the television programme like, till <laughs> I could get. <laughs> we have our oh, the job. <laughs> uh, and then I managed to last out for another two weeks, I think, till till they came into my chemist. Uh, but you know, it was mad. But yeah, no, this will continue to go up and the NHS need to recognise that women themselves will come in and ask for this and they just need to make sure they're supplied and then they won't come back 10 times to their doctor, you know, getting Mm -hmm. antidepressants or saying they've got fibromyalgia, whatever it is, they will not be struggling. So they'll actually save the £70 doctor's appointment that people keep coming back and coming back to by supplying these very, very cheap drugs to women. And I don't even consider them drugs. They're just replacing your hormones. They're just putting something back that was already there. It isn't, we're not taking something weird. You know, it is the most natural thing. It's far more natural than sage tea.
0: And you talk, uh, I think this is something that I read an article about a few weeks back, but you talk in the book about, we did have at some point a testosterone patch uh, that was withdrawn in 2012 uh, it just wasn't making enough money. I, I wonder if they kind of reintroduced no. that
1: today. I think some of the drug companies are bringing in a female chest testosterone, and they're, they're waiting to get permissions on it all. But it, it would be so useful to get, so you don't have to do that big squirt. Well, I don't know. I've got a male one. You do this big squirt and she said, oh take half of the squirt and put it back in a pot in your fridge till tomorrow I'm like I was like, are you I kidding do that. <laughs> I worked out how to do a half squirt but sometimes I get it a wee bit wrong so some days it's big testosterone some days it's little but it kind of it kind of but why should we do that why couldn't they give us a plastic pump that pumps the right amount out it's not much to ask is it you know it, yeah. it, it's it's these tiny little irritations that every morning I'm going oh I've oh, done the wrong amount you know. it's going to be a busy day <laughs> on it when you think about this in a kind of macro way with a big you know if you were thinking about this in a very intelligent way about a big health service change and how much money you could save Mm. and how much mental health trauma people could avoid in perimenopause you'd absolutely do what carolyn harris was suggesting and get women in at 40 or 45 and say this is what could happen this is what we can
0: give you yeah Here's your options. And, and
1: go and no, think about it. <laughs> it be, we advise you to take this unless you can't and unless you don't want to. And I think that that would be a way to turn it the opposite way around and not go the natural route. I mean, I feel very strongly about this. And the natural route is a very bad idea for <laughs> the majority of women. You know, in terms of ageing, you will age worse taking the natural route, even if you are. Wild swimming and running and eating all the right foods you've got to tackle it
0: and there does seem to be it's almost in some places it feels like taking into if you go down the h r t route you you know you've kind of you failed to have a natural menopause you haven't been able to cope but the
1: h r t route is a struggle in itself because it's it's really hard to get get your hormones absolutely right and you've got to look upon it as maybe a two year Project, Mm. (laughs) you know, I mean, a lot of people get it right straight away. It took me five years to get it right, but it was worth it.
0: That long. Yeah, yeah so definitely. I think people and also managing people's expectations before they before they start that it's not necessarily going to be a simple kind of one and done.
1: Well, I have know. to say, having said all that stuff about I wouldn't go down, I mean, I, do. I, you know, I run and I I dog and I eat well and I don't drink, actually. But I have started cold swimming in Parliament Hill Lido three times a week <laughs> with my friend Deb Ross, who is the spectator film critic and doesn't seem to be the sort of person who would plunge into icy water but indeed does and it's it's going to be one degree this week and we have been in on one degree the endorphins going (laughs) high after that for about an hour absolutely (laughs) fantastic um so i really do think and and that, that is about brain and synapses and all sorts of things and brown fat changing in your body so it does have these incredibly profound uh physical changes and mental changes so, you know, yeah. I'm not absolutely against, you know, adding to my armory.
0: No, uh, not at all. <laughs> my husband's still trying to persuade me of the, you know, the benefits. So he's a sauna aficionado and has, uh, yeah. he's set up a mobile sauna business and sort of loves oh, that yeah. whole, you know, plunging into a cold lake. Yeah. After it's just like, Ooh. I'm yet to be persuaded. But... You
1: can plunge <laughs> into some river in Oxford, surely,
0: some <laughs> icy river. No, we do, Yeah, we do have a few uh, few sites <laughs> around. But, yeah, maybe when it's a tiny bit warmer you also go and sort of work with with corporates do sort of on-site training because obviously you know we know that that potentially one in ten maybe even more women Mm -hmm. leaving the workplace because they're not sort of supported because they're struggling Mm -hmm. what kind of good practice best practice are you sort of starting to see out there with companies that are supporting people
1: well the, the the Companies are really great about the ones who kind of call you in to give them a talk and give them a PowerPoint and tell them what's going on. Um, They're already the ones that have made the step forward. But having an incredibly direct conversation in their kind of executive kind of boardroom or suite with you know 90 people is really good and I men in particular are really interested because mostly because of their wives and partners but also they suddenly see this very very clearly and when they see the sort of perimenopausal and postmenopausal brain scans which are firing on completely different cylinders you know on my powerpoint they suddenly go kerching You know, this is people's brains changing. They don't need to change. They don't need to suffer. There's a cheap solution we need to direct women in a medical direction as well as you know being sympathetic and there's obviously a a strong thing about oh we we put little fans on their desk and we're really Mm -hmm. nice to them but there's a really dangerous anti-feminist patronizing thing about that which I really yeah absolutely people need help in perimenopause when they don't know what's going on and they can't necessarily do anything about it and you need sympathy and you need to be near a bathroom if you're going to be one of the 44% of women who have giant periods in perimenopause so there is that but you I'm very aware that the corporates see it's a waste of money losing that woman I don't want to lose that woman what can I do and lots and lots of them have put in private health policies that have a menopause section and obviously this is going on at the top and, you know, it's going on in big corporates like I talked to B&Q the other day and, you know, big companies like Tesco are doing it. But I think little companies, maybe not. And the economic argument is so compelling. And, you know, looking at the NHS, the, the majority of nurses are.
0: <laughs> yeah. You've talked a lot about this on your your Instagram account, yeah, for example. And then, I
1: think you're of, yeah. of perimenopausal or menopausal age. And you know, you throw a 50 year old nurse in the bin and replace her with a 22 year old nurse that's cost you thousands and thousands to train and you've chopped 30 years of experience away. And you know, she is a calm genius who can deal with anything and put up with anything and you know, knows about the strangest symptoms in the world. And yet you throw that away Mm. on, on, you know, because people can't cope with menopause on 12 hours. We desperately need them. We need them to stay. The last thing about this is the NHS put out a 25-page policy the other day on their menopause policy and advice to, you know, their HR policy. And not in a single page did it mention HRT. It mentioned maybe going to a doctor, but it was all about all the other stuff and being nice and making everyone feel happy. And actually you're on a 12-hour shift, you cannot sit in front of a little fan at your desk and you can't take time off to mm. work at home. And, you know, th- there's definitely an ideological block on this. I, I don't know why. I it really, does seem I very strange. <laughs> as an intelligent person, that uh, why would the NHS write a 25-page menopause policy without mentioning HRT?
0: It, it's, it's the height of stupidity. So and you talked about you're writing a new book. When when can we expect to see that one coming out? Two new books. Two. Uh, So I mean, uh, (laughs) God bless HRT.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm doing a book on the pill, and that has turned out to be as gripping as menopause, as important. I mean, there's just extraordinary things going on with hormones, the pill, how it changes particularly how it changes young girls brains between Mm. 15 and 19 being put on the pill how we grow a different brain basically the depression the risks the best pills the not best and using the pill for good I mean everything is really it's a really gripping investigation that (laughs) but I'm also doing another book on midlife and I suppose I'm going to do all the things that I felt I I I kind of missed in my first book because my first book was a big kind of scientific argument and and you know we're going to bust the menopause taboo we're going to talk about hrt and we're going to read the science and have the footnotes on hrt and we're going to talk about things like hrt and breast cancer and be really brave about the sort of medical side but then i've been thinking more and more about uh psychotherapy i've got lots of friends who are psychotherapists and that midlife mental crisis and you Mm. you, you do change you change utterly and You know, you are now looking, you know, at 50 in the direction of death rather than birth. What are you going to do with these next 20 or 30 years that will be worthwhile, that will help people, that will help you? How are you going to enjoy yourself? Is it worth going to take, you know, magic mushrooms to change the levels of depression in your brain? (laughs) Is it worthwhile swimming? And I'm also going to put a menopause 101 chapter about aging and longevity in that which will almost summarise, you know, I'm not going to argue, I'm going to say, this is the science, this is what's right, get it now, basically, if you can.
0: Um, (laughs) Sounds good, perhaps you'll come on and and talk to us again when, when, when that one's out, look forward to reading it. Kate, thank you so much. I'm going to pop a link by the time this uh, this gets yeah. published. Will certainly be be out and available. Do you know if the uh, are the Davina documentaries are they still available online to watch?
1: Yeah, yeah, on You can get them. Um, and I think we'll have a new documentary coming in
0: May summer. I don't quite know when. It was absolutely lovely chatting to you. Thank you again. Oh, thank you. Thank you for reading my book you've been listening to the middling along podcast do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live and why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well i do hope you enjoyed listening today if you did i'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed hope you can join us next time goodbye for now